This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. DDN enters all flash arena. And IBM demos advanced phase change memory. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening in to a new episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360, and that's Michael Feldman, editor of Top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? We're doing fine, thanks. A couple of interesting stories going on here, starting with DDN, a company that we hear a lot about in high-performance storage. They've been leading our site census surveys of people who identify their storage vendor as DDN more than any other vendor, so that's been uh, big for them. And they've got a new product introduction as a uh, a complementary release to their SFA architecture. They're now introducing a SFA 14 KXI, better known as Flash Scale, a new all flash product. Yeah, they've hinted around this for a while now, and they finally have released it. It's an all flash storage array, uh, and it joins a, a long and growing list of uh, other vendors offering the same thing, but it's got uh, very much a, a DDN flavor to it, and they've they've got it at a nice price point, and they've got a different types of configuration, so you can kind of tune the dials and turn it up and down as far as performance and uh, and storage capacity, and it's it's a very modern looking architecture. Well, as you say, there are other vendors who do all flash, probably most notably EMC with their uh, Extreme I.O. products, soon to be uh, acquired by Dell when that goes through. But I think if you look at the the list of vendors who do all flash storage, this is the first that really has a a more performance or scalability-oriented feel to it. And in fact, DDN is marketing this directly at that intersection of high-performance enterprise with high-performance computing, looking at some of those workloads. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they're they're really pushing the enterprise side of this hard, but it does apply to HPC, and I think they've gotten in- inquiries from from different customers on that side. And certainly there's a lot I, of... I think from our HPC perspective, it looks like they're pushing enterprise. I think yeah. from an enterprise perspective, it looks like they're pushing high performance. Well, that's a, yeah, scalability. That, that's very true. And I think from a hyperscale performance, I think it actually offers a lot of interesting uh, applications there. So I think those folks are going to take a hard look at this as well. And, and like you said, it does scale uh, a lot, a lot uh, to a, a greater degree than some of the other uh, offerings out there. And they're talking about in this case, you can get a, a, a full rack, actually it's slightly bigger than a, a standard rack, but you can put uh, over seven petabytes of flash into that thing. Now that's going to set you back several million dollars, but it's a lot of performance, a lot of storage in a very small space. And uh, Seven petabytes is a lot yeah. going into a rack, and they're talking about this can be configured with either uh, SAS SSDs or NVMe SSDs. Now the the uh, SAS are going to be the higher capacity, right? right? The NVMe are going to be the higher performance. Right. I mean, the SAS, now I think you can get up to 8 terabytes uh, per device. So you can basically stuff uh, a chassis of this uh, this product, a 4U chassis, and that will get you up to uh, like 570 plus terabytes. And then you build a rack from that. And then you can add some extra uh, storage that are pure storage boxes on top of that, and that gets you up to seven petabytes. But like you said, the NVMe is sort of the performance side of this, and if you want you know, higher IOPS and higher throughput, you put more of those devices into, into one of these things, and you just mix and match according to sort of your requirements uh, at your application level. 
Right. They're saying so. The it's the SAS based one where you're going to get the 7.3 petabytes in a rack at a, at uh, what uh, DDN is saying is at around a dollar a gigabyte. Now the NVMe will cost more, but they can get you up to six million IOPS. So that that's an eye raising IOPS number. Yeah, and it's and then you multiply that by you know a rack's full of that stuff, and it gets you uh, even up to like 60 million IOPS per rack, and the 600 gigabytes per second uh, of, of throughput that's going through that. So it's quite a densely powerful storage device. It's just at that uh, at that level of a rack, it's going to be very expensive. But when you start thinking about some enterprises and certainly some of the hyperscale companies, that's probably not out of the realm of uh, possibility. No, I'm glad you mentioned hyperscale here because they're talking about these high-performance business computing applications in finance, some commercial HPC areas in life sciences. But even if you separate out HPC from enterprise, there's that third market, hyperscale, that's really distinct even from either of those two. And and, uh, as we've been writing up, for our hyperscale advisory service, uh, that's you know that that's an entirely new set of market dynamics, and you know customers who are at the high end in the tier one are spending uh, you know billion dollars a year or more on IT, and uh, and that's another potential target market for this. Yeah, undoubtedly, like a lot of products, they're going to be surprised upon who picks up on this. It's going to be uh, put out there, and and they're going to get some interesting customers that maybe they they even never thought of. Now, one other thing we should say architecturally, this is coming in a uh, a 4U chassis, and right. each of those chassis has a pair of essentially compute controllers or storage uh, server essentially in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two compute controllers are each a pair of Broadwell uh, Xeon 18-core uh, CPUs, as, as you pointed out in your write-up on top500.org. So really, this is a, a storage server in of itself. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if you could somehow leverage some of that compute power to do some uh, some application work on top of uh, sort of the storage component here. It's a lot of, I mean, it's basically a, a, a super server. You've got two pairs of, uh, of servers in there, essentially, and a lot of you know, a fair amount of memory as well. So there's uh, there's a little bit of flexibility you'll get if you if you buy one of these things. You might be able to to leverage a little more processing out of this. Yeah, this is a, along the the idea of having processing elements in closer to where the data is stored. Exactly. Uh, if you program that right, you might keep a lot of the the uh, the data movement uh, keep that down by assigning a computation to the storage device where that data already resides. Uh, just for completeness, should point out this has uh, InfiniBand options, OmniPath options, Ethernet, fiber channel. So it, it's it's really a uh, a, a, a member of that SFA family, the same kind of architecture. And at the end of your write-up, Michael, you've got a link to uh, the product brochure, which you actually said was pretty good as product brochures go. Yeah, it has some information there that that I didn't elucidate in the in the article and then some of the other articles that I've seen. But uh, yeah, they go through it pretty well. Of course, they're pitching it, and you know, it 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 is looking pretty impressive. It'll be interesting to see. Who starts buying these things, and this will be able to hook in some uh, some HPC customers, particularly in in some of the uh, the bigger installations. Maybe they'll buy 
maybe not a full rack, but, uh, you know, a few chassis of these to put on the front end of, uh, you know, basically a disc system to do some special work. Something to keep watching. All right, our other story this week in HPC, Michael, this is a little more on the science side, but IBM has demonstrated a new type of advanced phase change memory that they're saying is is really improving the density and scale for the outlook of uh, PCM, phase change memory. Yeah, PCM is a uh, is a non-volatile memory, so it, it's some people think it's going to supplant NAND uh, flash memory at some point once they get all the bugs out of it. But it's been kind of tricky to get the technology to a point where it uh, it, it can uh, it can be produced in mass for a reasonable cost. And what IBM has done here that's significant is that they've they've produced a, a, a variant that can store three bits per data cell. Uh, the traditional kinds of PCMs are just one bit per cell. So with that density, the economics of producing this uh, are vastly improved if, if they can manufacture it in mass and they can approach the uh, the cost and density of, of NAND flash now. Yeah, just to give a bit of a primer on the idea of phase change memory, it's a little different than some of the, the switches that we normally think of, but the idea is that you take a, a, a glass substance, and uh, the, the, the peculiarity of glass in general is that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a, a fixed melting point where it goes immediately from solid to liquid, right? It, it kind of gets a little soupier the more it, it heats up. It's, it's a little more amorphous. Now, the glass that's in your window pane is, is going to be a silicate or, or silicon-based glass. Most of the glass that we ever look at is, is based on silicon, but you can make glass out of other materials. And if you go on your periodic table to columns to the right of silicon, you get to a, a column of of materials that you can make uh, glasses out of. They're specifically called calcogenide glasses. If you use uh, things like uh, sulfur or tellurium, you can make glass. Uh, and, and those calcogenide glasses are the ones that uh, they can make phase change memory out of by uh, trapping that glass in different states, and then you can check back on what state it's in uh, in its phase change. That's essentially what you're doing, right? You're you're using that, keeping track of the phase change in order to um, re- record a bit, or in this case, three bits of information. Yeah, and it always amazed me that, that this could even be done. I mean, basically, you're changing something from an amorphous substance into a crystal, at the speed of, you know, what you consider electronics. I mean, how does this work so quickly? But it, it does, and they've been able to demonstrate it. But like I said, it has been tricky to commercialize. They haven't gotten it to a, to a point in, in most cases where it can uh, can't be commercialized, although there have been a few, uh, a few attempts at this. I think even Micron had a PCM uh, uh, product set for a while. I'm not sure how far it got, but I think they eventually dropped it. But there's there's different challenges here, but it has so much potential, and it's not just the potential of density, which looks like IBM has has basically gotten to. It's also very speedy. It's uh, it's it's almost as fast as DRAM, or it's not much slower than DRAM, which which sort of approaches approaches this idea of a universal memory. You could actually have memory that uh, is you know read writable, but also non volatile. Now this is probably not that version. It doesn't quite meet. Uh, all of those uh, speed feature sets that DRAM has, but it's it's a lot closer than some of these others. So it does have a lot of potential. I think that's why 
the IBM researchers are sort of uh, promoting this as a as a breakthrough uh, advance here. Yeah, among the different materials that IBM has out around this demonstration, there's a, a YouTube video that goes into some detail. And uh, not quite two minutes into that video, there's a, there's a chart that starts comparing uh, DRAM, flash, phase change memory, and then their newest innovation here with the triple level cell PCM. We might be able to grab that image and put it out on our Twitter feed at This Week in HPC so our, our listeners can see it there. But really, the implication being that the big advantage that they're making here is in density. By getting to that three bits per cell, they're implying that they're taking the density into that range that you see with flash with better scaling than flash. You, you get the uh, uh, better scaling than uh, than DRAM, better scaling than flash. Even if you um, give up uh, a, a little bit on uh, things like retention, or or, in, or compared to uh, to compared to what flash offers. Right, and we should also note that one of the advantages this has over flash, besides the speed, is that it it's much more robust. I think flash gives out after a few thousand cycles, write cycles, and this. This will go, I think they've already demonstrated 1 million cycles, and they think it can go 10 million cycles or beyond. So it's much more like DRAM in that sense of robustness. Right, almost as good as DRAM. Yeah, exactly. So it it, it is approaching this universal memory idea, so it's it's got that potential. And we should also say this has not just been demonstrated sort of as a, as a, as a simulation. They've actually built a 64K cell array and, and done physical testing on some of these things. So they've... They, uh, they've got this uh, uh, three-bit cell array, and they've worked, they've worked it at elevated temperatures, and they've got to one million cycles without the degradation. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive uh, advance that they're, they're going for here. Pretty cool. Yay, science. Yeah, yay, science. <laughs> I always love it in this job anytime I have to get out my periodic chart and look up what it is I'm talking about. So, and it's usually IBM that makes me do it, so I appreciate those guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting when you have to go down to the atomic level to to explain the HPC in this. But uh, yeah, we've we've done it uh, today. <laughs> we've done it today, and I got a little bit smarter. So and hopefully our listeners did too. I appreciate the stories this week. That'll wrap it up another week. We're getting a little closer to ISC, so we'll have a lot more stories coming. But uh, tune in next week. We'll come at you again. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.